Welcome to Fearless Hustle Collective, a podcast for creative female entrepreneurs and a home to honest conversations about the ups and downs of running your own business. Hello and welcome back. Season three is finally here. I've missed not having any episodes to share with you this past month, so I'm really pleased to be back. This week, I chat to my friend Amy Phipps, who is a creative business and life coach, a Nottingham Etsy team captain, and a fellow podcast host over at Women Who Create. We talk about what it's like to have a multi-hyphen career, the journey of becoming a coach, and my current favourite topic, self-care. Let's jump straight in. Hello, Amy. Hello. How are you? Thank you so much for coming on. So I wanted to kick things off by asking you about one proud moment you've had in your career so far. Oh my goodness. A big question, right? <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah, because I think as women and as business owners, we often like hide our light under a bushel and we don't yes. celebrate things, even the small things. Um, but I guess a, one big big proud moment there have been quite a few to be honest but um a recent one would be um, when I organized and ran my first creative business retreat retreat um which was two years ago was the first one or this year will be it'll be two years um and that was kind of having worked as a business partnership um, with my previous business um, for years, it was the first kind of big event that I did and organized and like curated on my own. So that was like a real, real big one for me. And that was kind of the turning point for me going, aha, this coaching thing, what is that about? So yeah, that was quite a biggie. That's amazing. Yeah, you've mentioned it before and they sound... Amazing. Do you have any plans on running any more uh, anytime yeah. soon? Yeah. So um, actually, one of my big aha moments, I mean, it, it's kind of been there in the background for a long time, but is that I love doing all of these things. But one thing that's really come up for me is making things like big events, more of a collaborative kind of process. Mm-hmm. Because doing it on your own is really, really flipping hard work. Yeah. So um, yes. I do have plans to run another one in September with Debbie Clark, who I run our podcast with, um, as a bit more of a collaborative effort and similar kind of vibe. So, yeah, fingers crossed we've started a plan. Amazing. Sounds really exciting then. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah, I had a bit of a break from it last year. I did just one last year and um, it feels kind of exciting to see the possibilities of working with somebody which can come with its ups and downs because I you know doing things on my own how I do them you can get a bit like uh, sensitive to other people bringing their ways in so mm. sometimes a bit like oh oh no 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 that's not how I did it last time so it's so, something about being a bit more open to other people's differences and how they do things and just appreciating that actually in the long run having a partner in crime for me is something that I always find super inspiring and, you know, helpful in terms of supporting your kind of projects going forward. I think it's also just having that somebody else there to even kind of sound ideas off of. And, you know, it's, it's so important to just to have that person just to chat to over the few bits that you might be undecided about. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I don't profess to know the answers to everything at all by any means. So saying, oh, you know, oh, I think this thing would be great to do as part of this workshop and then going, ah, that sounds great. But have you also thought about this and what could it look like having somebody else's input, experience and knowledge to shape that going forward? Like that's always really interesting to to see other people's take on things and how that can kind of evolve maybe an idea that you already have yeah yeah definitely so kind of going back a little bit why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and what it is that you do now okay cool cool so I am a bit of a a jack of all trades well I don't know if that's I don't know if that's a nice phrase these days but I wear many hats um my main role is as a creative business and life coach Um, And I predominantly work with women who run creative businesses, craft businesses, like designer maker businesses, or 
who want to work more creatively within their business. Um, and I use a lot of creative tools. Um, I did some art therapy training. Um, I'm My background is in craft, so I trained as a knitwear designer um, years ago. So for me, everything I do is kind of hands-on, tactile, creative, and then there's also the traditional coaching element that um, is the kind of framework for the coaching and mentoring that I do. Um, so that's kind of where my business has grown into in the past two years. Um, and that feels really good. It's, um, like you said earlier, it's about uh, you know those proud moments and like growing into things when they kind of feel appropriate. And it's really been a an amazing kind of journey from doing events craft events to get to these um business retreat weekends to going oh actually you know i i i don't just need to curate them i can actually coach as well and for me that next step was then um working towards becoming a certified coach which um for me is the next important step in this kind of this journey because you know as women in business there's never really an end point is there to our like career path it's always evolving into something which I think is the beauty and the sometimes the downfall with being driven and self-employed and you know self um, directed in your business like I know I'm like oh and this is seems to be moving into something else and what does that look like and then you know it's never ending yeah, so that's that's the exciting bit about it, though, I think, is that um, we don't really know where it'll lead and um, it is kind of ever evolving. So I, I definitely think it's an exciting kind of part of that. But I wanted to kind of pick on something that you've mentioned um, right at the beginning and you said you were a jack of all trades and that that's not such a nice word to use, I guess. Mm. Um, but there's been a rise in the kind of so-called multi-hyphen careers, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I know that's a book you've read actually, isn't it? Um, mm -hmm. yeah. And what, how do you feel about it? I guess, do, do you think that's a good thing that there is a rise in people kind of doing all the different things or how do you feel about it? I think... At the moment, it feels like a necessity in terms of the way the world of work is developing and the access that we have to different things and resources and just generally our connection with people all over the world and, you know, the instant gratification and, you know, just the way that digital and social media kind of is shaping what we perceive to be the next kind of ways of doing things. I think um, for me, I love that I have lots of strings to my bow. I try and instead of being like saying, for instance, like, oh, I'm a jack of all trades, I would prefer to say I'm a, I wear different hats. Um, mm -hmm. And that I like, generally, I like to think, oh, it's brilliant that I've had all these experiences. And I've been able to diversify and kind of use these different skill sets that I have to kind of build my niche and something that works with the lifestyle that I want and that really fits with my values. Um, however, that's me saying that now when I'm having a calm week and I'm feeling like on top of stuff. If you ask me on a week where I've got deadlines, I've, I've booked too many things in, I've got, you know, a craft fair coming up and I've got coaching and making and other things it would be a completely different answer. So I think, although it is exciting to have all these different things, I think sometimes it's it can be, you know, stressful. And I think often um, it is perceived from the outside world that people who work nine to five jobs go, oh, wouldn't it be, you know, idyllic to work for myself and run my own business and create this life that I want? And actually, often it isn't the easy option. Generally, it's not the easy option. Um but the rewards and the return that you get from that hard work are, you know, I wouldn't swap that for a nine to five. Um, so, yeah, I, 
uh, from I went to art school so for me like I came out with a certain type of career path in mind it just so happens that I didn't go to plan I didn't end up well I did it for a few years I, I was a, a knitwear designer a freelancer but for me it was never I was going to go and work for big fashion companies it was always I would work in a small studio so it's always been kind of this idea of a collaborative mindset for me and working alongside other people um, has kind of been a real core value. Yeah, so I suppose you haven't kind of veered off too far away from what you initially had in mind. No, so um, so when I graduated and, and I did design, I quickly learned that actually teaching crafts was what really inspired me and that I enjoyed that connection with community and meeting people and being able to you know share skills really practical skills and that is like such a core value for me now still and that only just kept developing um and grew into this idea of oh I can do different workshops that um you know could be more helpful in other ways so and then looking at how I could collaborate with other companies and other makers to share their skills. So, yeah, I think it feels like it has developed in quite a, a like a natural way. Um, there have, you know, been twists and turns, and I don't view like a modern um, creative career path as a straight line. I definitely think it's a zigzag, wibbly wobbly line, you know, and you don't not always taking a step forward it's often a step sideways and that's not a bad thing it's just being aware that the trajectory isn't necessarily the same as a traditional like career path which like like we said earlier you know that is exciting it's just maybe about being mindful of where you want to take it and remembering to kind of check in and and just build yourself a little bit of structure within that yeah that's something I was going to mention actually is that it's because you can do technically you can do all the things it's quite easy to overload and start doing too many things and I think like you say it's quite important to focus and check in with what you really want to achieve because it's very easy to get carried away yeah absolutely and I have, as well as like my business stuff, there's a real overlap with just like hobby stuff for me. So, you know, I could be doing something that could be just completely non-work based, like a craft project that I could then develop into a workshop, for example, or um, I could see its value in a coaching tool. I could think, oh, I could take this kind of little project into a session and actually I can really see the, the tactile benefits of that within working through problem solving. So, I love that it all feeds into each other. Sometimes it's nice to set those boundaries and just go, well, actually, I'm just going to paint this thing or do this thing for the pure joy of doing it. It doesn't need to go on Instagram. It doesn't need to be recorded. I don't need to take anything from it to apply it to somewhere else, you know, directly. That's not to say that um, all of the things that we do aren't intrinsically benefiting and like feeding into like our subconscious like there's always something that you do that might you know pop up in a, in a couple of weeks where you think oh yeah I remember I did this thing and that really helped me but it's nice to have something that's not that's where like gardening and plants comes in for me like we've got a really um, a small garden um, but just being able to like get your hands in the soil and do some digging and like it's still creative work but it's completely separate it's not connected to anything digital or coaching or workshop it's like it's out of my comfort zone but it's also growing my skill base and like you know getting getting those different kind of parts of the brain working which I think is really exciting. Yeah I think that's a kind of important lesson to remember actually is that we need to have other things outside of work that we enjoy. Yeah. And like you say, it doesn't have to be something pretty that you can then Instagram. It's, yeah. it's, it's just got to be something that you can do, enjoy, and maybe something that you kind of, that allows you to switch off a little bit as well. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and sometimes it's about like projects that you have on the go 
and just looking at them slightly different. So I know that, um, or like reading, for example, reading, I always saw as like, oh, you know, I, I need to read because it's for work and it's for study. And I never really made time for reading for pleasure. But in the past two years, I've really prioritized that and kind of turned that around into something that I do more for, for like the joy of reading, not like, oh, I've got to get this coursework done or what have you. Like it's actually it's actually something a bit more joyful and a bit more relaxed. Yeah. So it's just that idea of reframing something that you might already do. Yeah, definitely. And I wanted to kind of just get a bit of background with regards to how your business first started. So you've obviously mentioned you studied uh, textile design and stuff. Yeah. Um, and where did you go from there? Um, so I studied textiles and basically came out with a degree in um in fashion textiles when the the, the economy crashed <laughs> in 2008 so the next three years I kind of tried to do my um my freelance design and um I did a lot of work with um, the company that I work for in London and traveled quite a lot doing trade shows and taking collections around Europe to sell them at the big um, fairs um, whilst designing. Um, and also at that point, that's when I started to build up my kind of craft workshop schedule in Brighton, where I then lived. Um, so I did that for a few years. And then um, the craft kind of workshops became, you know, more prominent and, and, you know, something that I could really see as something that made money and was developing where I wanted to take my business. Um, and at that point, I already had like, um, a, a, well, I mean, not a brand at that point, because to be honest, it, I didn't really know about branding when I came out of university. We did business as part of our degree, but it wasn't as, you know, pre, like at the forefront as, as it is now. Like it wasn't something that you necessarily were set up to have a, a, a personal brand. Like it was totally different about 10 years ago um so yeah I just developed those uh, alongside working part-time and um in the next kind of couple of years I just through blogging for a a local events um company I met uh, my still best friend and we like got on like a house on fire and we were both doing really complimentary things so me with my workshops and her with blogging and styling and stuff and we just, I think, I think, I think we had a, an evening where we just stayed in and drank a few G and Ts, probably a few too many, and then we're like, oh, we could do this amazing thing with a studio and workshops, and then we could rent out space and co-working. And about six months later, we opened that exact space <laughs> to the public. Um, and then the next three years, I ran Super Super with Claire, and we did events and co-working and exhibitions and all kinds of um things hem parties craft workshops all sorts from there um before it then kind of changed and it wasn't doing what we wanted it to do so we decided to get out at our break clause and reassess where we were and that's when I decided to move back to Nottingham so I'm in Nottingham now which is where I am originally from um and that was when I kind of had a bit of a, ooh, what is it that I want to do next? I'm in a really, really fortunate position where I've moved from the south of England, which was, you know, financially not viable for somebody who was developing their business, to the Midlands where, you know, the lifestyle is really, really different and gave me so much more flexibility and freedom financially to um, to actually have a couple of months to you know be in a position where I had some savings and I could live for a couple of months just to get my head around what the next thing was and where I could really nurture the things that I had done previously and 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 grow those and decide what was serving me and what wasn't and where I really felt excited and passionate to continue moving forward because there was a lot of things you know when you're running a business and especially a bricks and mortar business can be blooming demoralizing like there's things that really you know and with business generally we all have our good days and our bad days but being able to focus on those positives 
and really come back to my values and where I saw myself in the next couple of years. And actually, at that point was when I started working for the, for the first time with a coach. And honestly, that was that was life changing. And um, Els was my coach um, for at least a year, and we worked on different goals and projects together. And then she came on board once I had designed the first um, creative business retreat. So that was a really lovely evolution. And I tend to kind of work like that. I work with somebody, and then it often evolves into we work together, um, which which you know I, I think is really really lovely if you click and have that relationship with somebody to then be able to grow that into something where you can support each other and nurture something that's kind of a collaboration that's always been like part of how I love to to run and design things is is although a lot of it is working on your own when you can you know work with others it always just for me makes everything like a hundred times better (laughs) yeah no I totally understand that um and I think going back to kind of first getting to know that person and then, you know, forming a more, I suppose it's not a perfect, well, it is a professional relationship in a sense, obviously, because you are working together, but it feels so much more just like friendship, I guess. And you've got your, you know, you've got each other's backs, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. And recognising myself as, um, of like having experience and expertise in that area and not being just like oh you know I'd really like to do that thing but I actually just doing it you know I think it just goes to show that it's the connections that you make and it's those experiential kind of ways of working that really you know empower you to make these decisions and um although this year for me um my big goal is to um become certified as a coach it's it's that fine line between just knowing that you already have lots of skills that don't need need that kind of validation and just still doing stuff anyway because you you know you know that it's helpful and you know that it serves your audience like and and just going for it and working with people in that you know that same kind of area to create something that is just brilliant um, is of so much value as well and I think unfortunately we do often let hold ourselves back and are our worst enemies because we think oh you know so and so is doing that or um, maybe I'm not as qualified as somebody else but actually at the end of the day our life experience is what kind of sets us apart isn't it so that's really important to bear in mind. Yeah 100% and I think that is something that I guarantee every single person listening to this would have experienced is that kind of self-doubt I guess that's what it comes down to and and like you say it's kind of those voices are do I actually have the experience or expertise to do this or like you've mentioned obviously somebody else might be doing something very similar but there's always going to be somebody else doing something similar so you can't let that stop you from kind of doing the things that you want to do no hell no and it's about just acknowledging that and if you are out of your depth then just you know putting your hands up and saying okay well maybe I need to do some more research or maybe there is some training I can do to improve my knowledge and you know to be able to allow me to deliver something of better value and quality but you are just got to give it a go because you just don't know till you try like for me I wouldn't have known about coaching in or or wanted to coach unless I had worked with a coach. For me, that was like a, a real kind of transitional move. And as a coach, I still think it's really important to work with a coach. You know, it's not like having a coach is just for somebody who wants to work something through something like life or business or who is a business owner or what have you. Like, it's really important as a coach to also have that support as well. So that's that's that support network is always growing and I think that's really integral for me as a business owner as well to to remember that that you know all the biggest business owners and you know entrepreneurs in the world they all have those support systems that they have have nurtured and built up that are there and although we often can feel on our own when we work at home in our little studio spaces or you know from wherever we work 
having that kind of network is like totally invaluable in the same way that you run your um your meetups and and like um the different communities that we all work in like where would we be without those you know yeah yeah no they've been absolutely crucial and uh, so many times I've kind of gone feeling a bit deflated or perhaps just a bit frustrated or overwhelmed and just literally just you know the act of chatting to somebody about it has has been so helpful yeah yeah and um so when you moved back to Nottingham um you mentioned that you weren't too sure what you wanted to do next so how did you go about or perhaps what made you um get a coach so I'm a person who um I don't wait for opportunities to come to me I make them <clears throat> so excuse me so as soon as I got back to Nottingham I knew that what I had on the go already was that I was well known um in the UK for doing craft workshops and and had some books and um had a bit of kudos behind me in the craft world so I knew that right as a starting point who do I know what what can I do in Nottingham that's related to that where I already have this legitimacy that I can then build on and and have a bit of an anchor to then decide what it is that I want to do from that so I just started by testing the water in Nottingham with workshops and approaching different venues that I liked that fitted with what I wanted to do and started running workshops in Nottingham and um, actually a craft social um to kind of build my community here whilst I then kind of ha- was having a freak out in the background going oh but what if it doesn't work and what if this is a wrong the re- wrong decision that we've made to move here me and my partner and you know so there's lots of different things going on at the same time and actually I think it was just purely on social media that um a peer of mine was talking about working with this coach and I I I thought maybe that's something that I need to do you know I'm not really sure where I'm at I could really do with some support and some structure and have a sounding board to bounce ideas off you know something that's non-judgmental it's like moving me positively forward and it just happened that she really recommended the coach and so I just thought you know what why not give it a go um and then it felt like the time to invest in myself it felt like right if I'm going to do something and make this change it's about investing in yourself and putting yourself forward as a priority because you know without that support and development then you you as the center of your business and your world you know you, you can't necessarily make the the waves that you want to make um so it was literally word of mouth I contacted Elle's and you know we really clicked so there was that real rapport for us and um I made the investment to work with her for um I think six sessions and took it from there and it was really scary at first but really um empowering once I got into it Mm. and I and I think now coaching is a lot more popular and a lot more at the forefront and almost like doing like air quotes like normal in business like whereas I think um coaching in the kind of executive world has been going and really well appreciated since like the 80s but working with a coach for a creative business is still a relatively new idea um so yeah it felt like a bit of a a jump into the unknown but once I got into it it was you know perfect and when you made the choice to kind of pursue coaching yourself, did that kind of pivoting feel natural to you, from going from kind of craft into this? And I appreciate you're still, obviously, you're still very much involved in the craft scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, absolutely, because from from seeing the impact, the positive, amazing impact that teaching and sharing crafts can have with people for their mental health, for their well-being, um, for problem-solving... I I knew that there must be some way that I can um, combine that learning from workshops and th- that sense of helping people um, and just kind of evolve that into a style of coaching that I, I wanted to develop. 
Um, so yeah, it did feel quite natural because I love working with people, with groups of people or one-to-one. So um, having done some kind of a teacher training previously, I knew that that was an area that I find inspiring, being able to help people in whatever way, whether that's problem solving or you know learning a new skill. So it felt quite comfortable and it felt like... Um, like having that community around me already and being able to support them um, was the next step. Um, but I didn't go, I didn't uh, recognize myself and as a coach at first because I started off by mentoring mm. and uh, mentoring and coaching are quite different things. Um, so it took a while and it took me working with a coach to kind of appreciate and understand the difference between mentoring and coaching and you know they have super you know valuable um uh aspects in each of those and there's overlap there as well um but then going oh actually i i i can see for myself that actually just mentoring is limited to my knowledge base whereas coaching is it's not about me. It's completely the style of coaching that I I offer is person centered. So it's about providing tools and and the space to be able to nurture what's inside the person I'm coaching. So that felt like a real aha moment. Like ah, oh, I'm not limited to this world of craft that I've built. Like I can really apply my um, my skill set and like this learning through coaching to open up like a whole different world so that was super exciting and that's something that I'm still as I learn new skills and improve on the tools that I'm I have um, acquired through training that I I see like oh my god there's so many different possibilities that I was limited to before so yeah super exciting and are you working with a coach now at the moment I'm not Um, I'm in a couple of mastermind groups so that's my way of having that support at the moment. And one of my mastermind groups is a group of, um, how many of us is there? Is there six of us? It started off with eight. I think maybe there's six of us who meet regularly online and, and they're coaches um, and two of the women are business owners. So I have kind of like my mastermind coach group and then I am in another um coach not coaching group but a mastermind group that is run by a coach um which is more kind of practical Mm, that sounds really interesting yeah it's great it's a great way to get you know the experience and um kind of energy from a group of people and access that support without um having to commit to such a financial um chunk because at the moment for me like paying for a coach isn't something that I budgeted into the first quarter of my business year yeah yeah because you're still you, you mentioned you're still training aren't you for to become a certified coach as well so yeah so at the moment my I want to focus this year on well actually it's really important for me to like set deadlines so that I know that I achieve them so my birthday is at the end of May so my deadline to become certified is my birthday. So although I'm working as a coach, I'm, you know, continuously improving. And for me, having that certification just gives me that confidence and allows me to know that I meet all the standards that have been set by the National Council of Psych- Psychologists and other boards. So, yeah, I don't know. I know we said earlier about giving yourself, you know, a bit of, space to coach in the way that you coach through through expertise but I think once I have that behind me that learning and I'll feel much more confident in the skills that I can put forward does that make sense yeah it makes total sense yeah yeah Yeah, absolutely I wanted to switch topics a little bit and talk about um I guess the work-life balance and obviously you predominantly work from home. Yeah. And um, what does that look like for you? And I know it's something that we've kind of mentioned and talked about in the past. Yeah. Um, kind of incorporating that self-care <laughs> time into your working day. Yeah. So it can really, really vary. Um, I know that we talked at, um, at, at your meetup at the, the 
the one that I went to last year about making more time for self-care and what that looks like and so far it's it's kind of been quite a big change for me to build actual physical exercise and that that element of self-care into my weekly routine but um so for me it does vary depending on what events and what clients I'm working with and what I've got coming up but generally I just allow myself to be flexible and build kind of a mini routine and then allow that flexibility to kind of come in depending on what I've got deadlines wise work wise what goal what goals I've kind of built into my month or my week um I had a really big aha moment last week um which we mentioned earlier before we started recording that January was basically a write-off for me um, because of health and, you know, just feeling run down and feeling like this winter has really sapped me of any energy. Um, So February was kind of like, oh, I'm coming back to life. There's, you know, the days are getting lighter. And um, so at the start of this week, I, no, sorry, last week, I just really spent the first couple of days of the week meeting up with my community groups, checking in with my peers and my um, my clients and um, my mastermind groups and, and Debbie, who I do the podcast with. And that completely changed the way I want to kind of design my working week going forward. So I'm still kind of looking at that. And this week has been a bit more of a mixture of um, admin. So normally I'd start the week with admin and emails and actually I know by now that that just saps me of energy whereas having a client call on a Monday and then going for a swim will energize my week and then I can come back and look at the things that are the must do's and are the nice to do's and kind of zoom out and have a look at how I can best manage my time because you know there's things that have to be done and there's things that I think, oh, you know, what would benefit me, but what also, you know, must I do in terms of self-care? Yeah. So that's I think a, it's... a long-winded uh, answer there, sorry. <laughs> no, no, I think it's, um, again, it's kind of an ever-evolving thing because you kind of try and test things and see what works, what doesn't. And then, I, I don't know about you, but I tend to fall back into my kind of old routines that perhaps didn't serve me as well. And yeah. then try and shake that off again and try something different or something new and um, also like working from home it's great because for me uh so having run a co-working space for years and having a studio where there was people always there coming and going and I quite quickly realized that I need to if I want to get any like serious work done or if I'm creating content or if I want to write blog posts or articles or develop any courses I have to work in silence like that is that is a kind of a a no-brainer for me whereas if there's people playing music or if there's something like even slightly distracting like I completely lose my shit I'm like oh god what's happening I've completely gone off piste so actually that took me a few years to actually kind of admit that I love being with people but when it comes to work I have to have like be on my own, door closed, silence. And that is when I'm my most kind of productive in terms of that kind of work. Whereas if it's creative work, that's something that I love doing with a group of people or like, you know, a work, in a workshop kind of scenario. Yeah, I think it's recognising those things though. You know, yeah. the, the way you work best and the times you, you need just complete silence or just, you know, not be distracted. And honestly, like, um, so I'm in my 30s now, like early 30s. And the more that I get to know myself and like become confident in who I am, like the more I really appreciate like how the seasons affect me. And that was a huge part of the start of this year. I was like, nope, it is dark. I am not getting shit done today. Like, you know, and going, right, how can I make up for that in the daylight hours that I have when I feel productive? Mm. And it's that balance of, okay so I'm not feeling super productive today what small thing can I do that works towards a goal or my business or my well-being that I can do and acknowledge that 
And then what day, you know, when is it that am I, I going to feel that, oh, well, actually, I haven't done all of those things, prioritizing those and going, right, I'm going to have to work a really long day, at least one day this week to make sure that I achieve those things. So, yeah, it's that balance. And and it's and it, for me, it's like looking at things like the seasonality of my business and like, you know what are my hormones doing at this point like am I going to get my period um am I being affected by those kind of things because you know I think it's great it's so great at the moment that there are all these conversations for us as women running businesses about how these seasonal and hormonal cycles like can be affecting what we do that we don't even realize and acknowledging them and kind of designing a weekly or a monthly or whatever schedule with that flexibility. I think it's a really exciting time. Yeah, it's something that I've been kind of educating myself on with regards to the hormonal cycles as well. And, and how are you finding how, it? Um, well, I've been trying to track down, kind of tra- keep a track on a daily basis of how I feel energy level wise and mood wise and just kind of seeing any patterns that emerge I guess Mm. um and something that Claire Baker I don't know if you're familiar with her oh she's awesome yeah she is and something that she's mentioned is that kind of the ovulation phase is meant to be your summer I think if I'm possibly is spring actually um phase of your kind of cycle and how you're meant to feel really kind of energetic and stuff and actually I've noticed that that isn't the case for me a lot of the time um so I think she's mentioned that it can be because you're not kind of looking after yourself enough yeah yeah and actually I love something that you um shared on Instagram I don't know if that was last night I just saw it in your stories about this idea of blocking time off and for me that is crucial because I know like we said earlier like there's always projects and things that I want to do. I'm always looking around going, oh, I'll just, you know, do this thing or oh, there's something that I could be planning or drawing up or whatever. But actually for me, even on a weekly basis, looking at that routine and going in. So I have a physical paper um, planner, but I also have my digital um, uh, Gmail um, calendar thing. And just going in and blocking in those those periods of time to go, right, I know I need to do um my newsletter this week so that's going to be a couple of hours and that's in like green um I know that my coaching uh, clients is going to be in pink and like just having that visual as a visual learner and um it just I found it so incredibly helpful in the past few years to work in that way where we give ourselves the flexibility but then also you know going sometimes you just need to sit down and you just need to get something started and having that time blocked out I found really 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 helpful so I'd be interested to know how you found that getting into this idea of time blocking well it's I'm kind of very new to it because I I work with the paper planner as well but the way I do it is I just jot everything down that comes to mind yeah yeah and often I'm having to rejig things and perhaps I put too much in yeah particularly on on a Monday I always just end up having a never-ending list what are we like it's so detrimental I did the exact yeah. same yesterday and totally freaked out and by the end of the day there was plenty of time to do the main things how did you get around that in the end well I, I definitely had to move a couple of bits to today but actually having having it kind of in in the spreadsheet that I'm using for the time blocking I actually stuck to it because I knew I just had to get it out of the way because often it's the little things that I just can't be bothered to do that I end up just pushing back and back but having that schedule there actually I just thought I'll just get it done and I did and so far so good but we'll see yeah it's it's hard but it's good to have a little bit of structure when you work soup obviously you know you being creative as well like how you know all these ideas and, and things that you want to to look at and you know it's never ending so having a little bit of structure but being able to kind of work that in a creative way even if it means having different colors for things even if it means at the start of the week writing everything down in different post-it notes and sticking them on the wall so you can move them around and prioritize them like you can build that structure creatively to make it work for you, which I think, you know, 
thank goodness that we've realized that we can do it how we want <laughs> yeah it doesn't have to be boring no question no. it's all the way <laughs> right so to kind of finish off our conversation I wanted to ask you if you have one tip that you could give someone who is looking to quit their nine-to-five uh what would it be oh yeah this is a biggie um I would honestly say don't just quit your nine to five. <laughs> um, you need to test a few things first. Um, give your idea or whatever it is a bit of time to kind of settle and mull over. Um, I know from my personal experience that I have you know, often had like, oh my gosh, this is the new next thing that I'm going to do and it's going to be amazing. And then a couple of days later, I'm like, oh, what was I even thinking? Like, that's not not viable. That's not, not you know, actually, oh, I was really excited about it then, but maybe I'd had too much tea and too much chocolate. <laughs> and I was like, whoa, hype. Um, so there's something about aligning this idea of what you want to do, your dream career or your dream project aligning it with your values and then getting really realistic about it. And that's not to say to let those mundane, boring things quash your dreams. Mm. By no means would I ever say that. But also, you know, if you are in the really privileged position where you have somebody else that can support you financially, then, you know, that's brilliant. Most people I know don't have that. So it's always a case of how can I build what I'm doing as I I don't know if this is slightly overused now this whole term side hustle like it's a bit like it's a bit of a buzzword isn't it but there's something about how can I explore this amazing idea that I've got in my spare time whilst I'm kind of planning a bit of a structure and looking at how I can meet the other needs and responsibilities that I have whether that is going part-time like I've worked part-time for years to supplement things that I want to do um finding something that fits in with um, my time and that can give me more flexibility um or is it what have I got right now that I've been working on that I can monetize or I can share with my audience that I know is bringing value to them that they can pay for like we need to stop doing stuff for free and yeah. the sooner that we value ourselves as business owners and work out how we can monetize that and you know not to say like you know you can't monetize everything and that's not to say that it has the the value level that you know you know often writing blog posts and what have you like that's completely different but you might have something there already so maybe it's just looking at what you have and what you want to do and seeing what possibilities are and 100% like bouncing those ideas off your community if you have a mastermind group take them to there if you don't have a mastermind group maybe that's something that you can go to that's a really affordable way to get support before you work with a coach to kind of build those ideas up and get some really honest feedback about what it is that you want to do. And for those who may not kind of know with regards to the masterminds is that something that you pay for? um not always um I know there are free mastermind groups on the go um I pay for one of my masterminds but uh or and uh the one of the ones that is a collaborative effort with my coaching community that's something that we just wanted as coaches to have like a like-minded group of women that we can check in with and that mastermind is more of just a kind of a coaching call that we do together whereas the other mastermind is built around workbooks and you know a Facebook group and you know monthly trainings so there are different kinds of mastermind groups and it depends what you want from that um, I find both beneficial I find that often with a mastermind group that you have um, homework to do I'm less likely to engage with it because I've got enough work to be doing yeah. I don't want to have to do other stuff in the evenings as well when that's the time when I try and factor in that self-care that we talked about earlier and take some time out to do like life stuff yeah yeah no, and, that totally uh, yeah, makes sense. 
totally research. And, you know, it's the same as with if you're going into thinking about working with a coach. It's about finding the best fit. And ultimately, at the end of the day, if you don't have that rapport, if you don't click with somebody or with a group of people or community um, and see that, you know, there's elements there that you don't necessarily get on with everybody straight away, don't get me wrong, especially when there's a group of people. But if you're working with a coach, you know, 50% of it is about that relationship that you have with that coach and that they get you and you feel supported and nurtured Um that's that's the biggest part because you can't work with a coach that totally doesn't get you and that you feel like is a jarring relationship that is not going to grow you in any way so community and yeah knowing yourself and knowing being clear about what it is that you want from a mastermind or a coach or you know you're just local meetup group like they're invaluable to both of our relationships and build um, businesses you know it's, it's brilliant yeah Perfect. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you um, for having me. Before you uh, head off, uh, where can people find you? You can find me at womenwhocreateuk.com. Um, you can also find me um, at the Nottingham Etsy team, where I'm captain. Um, you can find me on Spotify or iTunes or through my website, um, for the Women Who Create UK podcast. And generally, everything goes onto my website. I do also have a Facebook page, but Facebook's doing my head in a little bit at the moment, so I'm not spending a whole lot of time there. I'm You're more likely to find me, like the daily inspo and anything that kind of, any bit of worldly wisdom or, you know, what tea I'm drinking over on Instagram at women underscore who create. Perfect. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for tuning in. As always, I'd be really grateful if you could leave a review on iTunes so that other female creatives can enjoy this podcast too. I'll see you next week.